in the bold. The optimal frontier. This is the reward. This is the level of boldness. This is the, on that graph, this is the reward for being bold. Fortune is what you seek. Oh, sorry, it's the other way. Fortune, here's boldness. Here's fortune. The optimal frontier, no boldness. You're at the bottom. No benefit, no fortune. You rise in your boldness like Julius Caesar, like Alexander the Great. But all of a sudden, you become too bold like Alexander the Great. And now your reward is, and fortune is back to zero. What happened to Alexander the Great? He began to go, he continued to go east and conquer and conquer and conquer and conquer. And his troops said, let's slow down, let's slow down, let's slow down. We're already winning the world. We're already winning. And he said, no, I must be bold. And an arrow shot him. Or a person shot him with an arrow, I should say. And he died, I believe, of an infection. At a young age, I believe he was 31. He had conquered the known world. But he did not understand the optimal, the efficient frontier. And you find that efficient frontier in every area of life, making money. There's a, Daniel Kahneman won a Nobel Prize in, in this subject. More, he's a, he's a cross between maybe an economist and a neuro, you know, neuroscientist. And what he said was, okay, so when you're making $40,000 a year in the United States, you're not very happy. Right? Everything's out of reach. You don't feel like you have enough fortune. And you begin to make more money in this marginal reaction. It's like a huge reaction when you go from making forty dollars to $100,000. But then at some point, increase in money doesn't increase happiness. More money, more problems. Look at some of the people at the tops, top of the Forbes list. Some of them, like Elon Musk, even admit that they have times of, you know, Tremendous unhappiness, depression, so on. So where is the optimal frontier of making money? Eh, it's probably before you get on the Forbes list. Is it actually efficient to be so bold that you try to get on the Forbes list? Probably not. And as I said, it's also unrealistic. People will tell you that you can be anything you want and everybody can be a billionaire. But as I said, the math doesn't add up. A billion's a thousand million. A thousand billion's a trillion. The entire net worth of planet Earth is estimated at around 250 uh, trillion. So that means under a million people in this world could be a billion billionaire and everybody else would be what? In fiefdom, a serf, an indentured slave? That would not be a good world. There's something called the Gini Index and it measures the wealth disparity between the wealthiest and those who are most impoverished. You look at a company like a country like the Philippines, for example, very, that's just one country that I remember being, it has a, a ratio that's completely off. Tremendous wealth. I mean, the United States is somewhat that way. Um, but you're actually happier to be a billionaire in Sweden. Sweden has more billionaires per capita than the United States and they're happier. When that index gets off in places like Rio de Janeiro, places like Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, you have tremendous crime. You get kidnapped. I know a billionaire that got kidnapped, a famous billionaire. He, he 
the owner of Sears, Eddie Lampert. You read his Wikipedia, it was, he was kidnapped as a billionaire. You're certainly not gonna have a good life, and, but you don't get kidnapped in Sweden because there's a wealth disparity that's very, the gap is very small. And so that's why I said, fortune favors the bold countries, but if a country becomes too bold, too individualistic, it actually <laughs> reverts back to very low happiness. America is not the best place to be rich um, at any level of kind of logical thinking, right? Scandinavia is better to be wealthy. Um, now there's places less exciting to, to have a fortune than the United States. There's many, but the point being, what I'm trying to say in, in what I'm talking about is, you know, hmm, understanding Aristotelian mean. The Aristotelian mean means the balance, you know? And very few people teach balance. And most of social media is what? It's a person telling you to just do you, be you. It's a person that's either very Republican, very conservative, or very Democratic. This is the opposite. For, uh, fortune favors the balanced person. That's really, I put fortune favors the bull because this is a very, you know, this is a famous saying. And somebody said, I'm spewing anti-Americanism. I'm not, I'm not pro. I, I'm too logical to be pro or anti any country. I'm just not, I don't think that way. I can, I'm not a sucker. You can't emotionally attach me to an artificial geographic boundary. It's not possible. You can try, you can try to shame me and say, oh, you're not this, you're not that, I don't care. I'm too logical to be moved at any, any semblance of movement will not happen. If you say, well, this country's God's country. There is no God's country. If you believe there's a God, then clearly, especially if you believe there's a God, clearly God will not favor a place. Would you favor one of your children if you were a good father or a good mother? Would you say, oh, that's my favorite son, that's my favorite daughter, and this other one I'll leave? You know, of course not. If you're an atheist, then you don't then you and you don't believe America or any country is God's country. Then you look at pure statistics. America is pretty good. I'm not anti-American. I'm completely like I said. I'm too logical to care about any kind of emotional perception of man-made boundaries. Which America do you love? Do you love the America of the 1780s that the founding fathers had built, which was a very small? There was no Louisiana. There was no Florida. There was no Arizona, there was no California. Is that the America you love? Did you love the America of the 1940s? There was no Hawaii. What America do you love? Or do you love the conception of America, which is rugged individualism, which is each person kind of Adam Smith pursuing their own selfish interest, the invisible hand of Adam Smith which America isn't necessarily, America is not a pure capitalistic country. You have social net, you have a social net, AKA social security in the 18, do you love the America of the 1800s where there's no income tax? In 1800, it was zero, zero income tax. There was some property tax, but, I, but that's what I say. It's like, 
I'm, I'm too logical to love a country. But I'm also too logical to hate a country. I don't hate America. I think you should, fortune favors those who can see clearly with less emotion. There's a time for an emotion with your family, with your kids, with your friends, with your love life. But as you analyze and move forward through this life, emotion will be your greatest enemy because it would lead you into delusion. And most people are very delusional. So to them, each person loves their country. And so countries go to war and world wars happen. A hundred years ago, almost exactly a little before, in August 1914, what happened? The famous guns of August, uh, you know, the famous book. All the worlds went to war and one out of three people was killed. And then not really 21 years later, World War I ended in 1918 at the 11th month, the 11th day at the 11th hour, 11, 11, 11. And the world spun because of the nationalism and people loving their country more than any other country. Guess what happened next? World War II. The love of the excessive patriotism kills everything you want. But again, it's on the optimal frontier. You should have some patriotism, but not excessive. You should be intelligent, logical, non-emotional, non-weak-willed not easily duped, somebody who thinks with a free mind and says, let's look at America, what's good about America? Here's 17 things great about America. Here's 17 things that suck. And, but every country's that way. Some countries, the ratio sucks more than others. North Korea probably has, you know, two good things about living there. It has some beautiful mountains, for example. The people, the ordinary person in, North Korea is probably as good a person as you'll find anywhere else. They're humble farmers and people have gone through stress. <laughs> They're probably good people that I'd love to be around. Yet, the ratio of good to bad in North Korea is probably horrific. So you look around the world and you look, and by the way, every country would benefit from this type of mentality because you can take the best. What does a great business person do? What a great business person does is they look at other companies and they take the best. As Pablo Picasso said, good artists copy, but great artists steal. What Pablo Picasso is saying is, I, Pablo Picasso, have stolen from the great masters who came before me, the Michelangelo's, the Leonardo da Vinci's, you know? They, they look to that. Those great Greek artists and the Persian art, all this was Pablo Picasso built upon that. He was the most pro prolific artist of his time. You know, did 60,000 pieces of art before Pablo Picasso died. But he was still open to taking the best from everything. And so if you really love America, you'll stop loving delusion and you'll go, what's great about America and what do we improve on and what do we fucking change? And if you're Swedish, you do the same thing. And so at the root of all evil, for the most part, you know what the root of all evil is? Strong beliefs convictions. As the famous saying goes, convictions are greater, greater enemies of the truth than lies. Look around the world. People have conviction with no competency. 
one of my 67 steps, I said this to business people, from whence does thy uh, confidence come? You have no fucking skill. It's like you go to a gym and you got a friend that's the most confident person, but you put them on the bench press and they can't even bench press the bar. And you look at them, you're like, bro, you're way too confident. You have no confidence. You don't deserve the level of confidence that you feel surging through your blood. Tone it down and bring it back, you know? And so in this world, you have to be well calibrated. And so fortune favors the well calibrated. You see, we're taught that, oh, in life, the most important thing is just love yourself. Well, yes and no. There's also truth that there's a time to hate yourself. It's called, it's like the great philosopher Hegel said, you have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Meaning most truths, the reciprocal is also truth. So you should love yourself, but there's a time to hate yourself. There's a time to love what you're doing and a time to look yourself in the mirror and go, what the fuck? How did I get off track? Time to turn my life around. You see? Exactly the optimal frontier of loving yourself. You can love yourself too little on the frontier. You're at the bottom. And so this signifies the level of happiness or fortune you will experience in life if you are completely self-loathing and hated and, and a person full of hatred to oneself in an uncalibrated way, you, you shouldn't hate yourself. And for example, some people hate themselves. I know beautiful women that think they're ugly. That's bad calibration. You can also be underappreciative of yourself. You know, and you meet people and you're like, what happened to you? What trauma happened to you that got your brain upside down? So to make money, to be happy, to have a country that wins, to find fortune, you're gonna have to have too little self-esteem is horrible. But then as you move too high, the optimal frontier drops off, the graph drops, and now you come back and you find people who overly love themselves. And now fortune leaves you. Fortune is a, fate is a fickle mistress. You know, a mistress is somebody who loves you and then falls out of love and falls in love with another person. And so throughout time, people have lived long enough to so, wow, you can think you're on top of the world, but then it's taken from you. And therefore, that's what I said, the reason fortune favors the bold. If you want a fortune, the reason in favor is because when things are even close to going your way, you better make a lot of hay while the sun shines. You better make a lot of hay. And right now the world has a lot of sunshine. And most people ain't at all grabbing that fortune. They're not. I see people lazy, people playing video games all day. People, you know, just... Like Thoreau said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What's called desperate resignation is just confirmed desperation. Many people just, you know, wallow in their desperation. And part of that is hormonal and chemical and genetic. But some of it is just bad education. And Aristotle also said, you know, the fortune of empires rests on the education of the youth. And now what's the education system doing? It's still outdated, you know? What I'm talking about now, nobody talks about it in school. What's going on here? Nobody's talking about 
the balance between loving yourself. Schools are very extreme right now. They only teach one philosophy. You know? Somebody asked me if I'm on TRT. I get that question a lot. People want to know if I'm on steroids. I've tried everything, but I'm not on nothing except vitamins. This is post-workout. I'm not big enough to be on steroids, but I will take that as a compliment. I've tried, I'm working on this book called The Million Dollar Body Protocol. So it's basically how can you, a busy person like me, I own a lot of companies, own basically 23 assets. Um, some really big, like Radio Shack, Pier One, you know, these are nine figure kind of revenue companies. Every day I wake up and I have 280 people that work for me on my Zoom call who run, not everybody who works for me comes on the Zoom call, but I have 280 people I talk to every day. Well, Monday through Friday. I didn't do it today because it's Thanksgiving and I have to lead an army. And so Million Dollar Body Protocol, it's not out yet, but it's basically how can you stay in shape while trying to pursue your fortune as the title goes. Fortune favors also the person that can balance their health with their wealth, you know? So, yeah, interesting world. Fortune, it's funny. What I'm telling you is true. This is the greatest moment in history to be bold with whatever you want out of life. Yet, if you go look at the media, if I look at my Twitter feed or I look at anything, it seems to be the worst time to be alive. And that therein is a, that is a horrific crime imposed upon people across the world, is that the news and the media is actually, it, <laughs> it's duping you into think that's a, now is such a bad time to be alive. When else would you rather be alive? I'm like, motherfucker, do you know anything about history? Name a moment you would rather be alive. Just name a year. We're alive here. When would you rather be alive? Name any moment. Remotely better than right now. What's a year? Anytime. Any moment. 1900s, 1800s, 1950, 1950. My grandma, this is an interesting story. My grandma's mother, my great grandma, I never met her. She was German, came from Germany to visit my grandma. And she was in Dallas, either bus station or airport. I, it was probably the bus station. She got arrested for going in the colored bath. They had colored bathrooms. What a horrible world. 1950s America, people still had to drink out of different water fountains. That's how stupid, think how stupid the world is that you actually thought you had to drink out of different water fountains. I mean, this is the level of IQ of planet Earth and America and other countries in 1950. I mean, geez, I can think of reasons that you wanna <laughs> discriminate against people. You should discriminate against annoying people. That's what I discriminate against. But to discriminate about water fountains, the fuck? So never bring up the 1950s unless you have no ability to remotely think through anything logically and you have the kind of ontological <laughs> prowess of an ant. The 50s? Leave it to Beaver? I want a good time. Women trapped in marriages couldn't get out because society said you shouldn't. Cold War. Stalin was still alive. Sending people to the gulag. I mean, people have this insular understanding of life. So I'll tell you one thing. Fortune favors people who read history. 
Fortune favors people who read history. The fashion was the good thing about the 50s. I don't know, maybe. The 1950s, Elvis Presley was the greatest style ever. <laughs> I, I, would, I beg to differ. Greatest styles were like probably the Native Americans. They had like all these cool tattoos, all Samoans or something like that. They got these cool tattoos, tattoo their face up, all that stuff. That used to be very, I mean, I think that looks way cooler. There's, I just read a book about Oatman. It was a woman captured by the Mojave Indians, a Mormon woman captured her. They killed, they didn't kill her family. Apaches killed her family and she was traded to the Mojave Indians. She had this, this tattoo, all the women got bars on her. She was beautiful. It's funny, in the 1800s, there was a book about her. She looks like a modern day model. So I doubt the 1950s by any conception were best times. Think about the times of, you know, what's modern day Italy now. They had all these silk Chinese empires, Marco Polo times, people were walking around in silk everything. It was beautiful. Uh, fortune favors those who understand the timeline of history. Do you understand the timeline of history? Or are you trapped in an insular last five years is your entire world? That's that's what the modern education system does. It makes history so boring that not one person knows anything about history. I, I literally can go a year with millions of social media followers and not one person has even anything interesting in their brain around, his, around any history. People are just stuck in their times. They're stuck playing video games, trapped in the world of, oh, I'm depressed because, you know, my air conditioning's not working. Fortune favors those who understand the timeline of history because it also allows you to withstand the inevitable variance of fate. You will not always have every day equal to the next day. So when you can't put things in perspective, you're like a small child. You know, you're like a two-year-old. Oh, when you're two years old, you have no perspective on life. So every moment when your mom won't give you a carrot or something, you flip out like it's the biggest thing. That, but that's how adults are now. The only, I mean, the thing that's better about past generations, maybe not the 1950s, but people had to read more. Now everybody, you know, I got nothing against TikTok and Instagram, but shit, people are watching one hour of people dance around, lip syncing stuff. I'm like, come on, you got to budget stuff. Fortune favors those who budget time. Fortune favors those who say, oh, three minutes a day, I'll watch TikTok people dancing around and that's it. Fortune favors those people. You know, if you have no conception of budgeting of your time, fortune definitely doesn't favor you. You know, you will die never having experienced even one-tenth of the potential life you could have had. Yeah, fortune favors those who can focus. But I like to think of it as a budget of time. Focus is overrated because fortune doesn't always favor those who focus because most people are focused on the wrong thing. As one of my mentors, Joel Salton said, the worst thing in life is to grow old and realize you got good at the wrong thing. Ask your parents, ask your uncles, ask your aunts. Most of them, if they're honest and having an honest moment around the Thanksgiving table, They'll realize, shit, I'm good at a profession that I hate, you know? So it's not that fortune favors those who focus. I would say fortune favors those who are efficient allocators of scarce resources. 
which is the concept of capitalism or any economic system, whether it be communism, central command, social republics like you, or social democracies like you have in Scandinavia. Everything is the allocation of scarce resources. As I said, if you're 47 or under, you're a time billionaire. You have at least a billion seconds if you live to the statistical age that men and women averagely, let's say, late 70s. So, fortune favors those who dispense those moments and seconds wisely. I had to decide if I wanted to come and do this call right now, this live video. You know, and it, it, the, I have to be efficient allocator of my, not only my money, and you have to be that way with money. There's somebody on here right now. I meet people all the day, time they go through my programs. I can't tell you how many times people have been like, time made a million bucks. Then I told them, hold on to that money, baby. And a year later, they're broke because they weren't efficient allocators of the fortune that they found themselves finding. Some of you are rich or gonna get rich and you have a friend who's gonna betray you and take it all or a family member or somebody you thought who was your friend. The betrayal of those who are acquaintances and even peers and even family is a real thing. Fortune favors the person who can read their social circle and go, that person can't be in my life anymore. That's the allocation. That's the efficient allocator of capital, time capital, social capital, economic capital, what you read, when you read, how much time you spend in entertainment versus reality, how much time you spend at the gym, how you allocate the food. Look, here's the problem with the modern food system that people kind of talk about, but not, it's not just that junk food's bad for you. Let's say junk food was not bad for you. It was neutral. Well, guess what? If it's neutral, you still have, can only take in so many calories or you will get fat, no matter what anyone tells you. There's such a thing as being overweight in every species, okay? Every mammal can be overweight, cows, horses, pigs. Humans ain't nothing. We ain't above the animals. This is a myth, okay? If anything, all species are equal in that sense. Um, we do have a bigger, we have a, you know, MPFC, median prefrontal cortex, that other species don't necessarily have. Doesn't mean you, I, humans are no more important than other mammals. If you believe that, then what you're also saying is the smartest human is more entitled to a good life than someone who's not as smart, which nobody would take that moral position. Would, do you think only the smartest people in the world, are, they're more important than those who are handicapped? No, of course not. So just the fact, anyway, going back to what I was saying, you're gonna have to allocate food because even if you eat neutral foods, you won't get enough protein before you hit your calorie max. It's called empty calories. But even if you find something that's not, you know, Doritos, you still have empty calories because you have an allocation. Let's say most people are between 1,800 and 2,800 calories you can eat. So that's the allocation. So fortune favors the allocators of resources. And each of you, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to get rich. You know, I want to build. It's like, there's not infinite wealth. There's not infinite wealth you can hold and there's not infinite wealth you can pursue. You see, there's a double-edged sword. Some people think that there's endless wealth you can pursue. There's not. There's only $250 trillion in the world. Most of it's locked up in real estate. Most of it's locked up outside of your reach. 
okay? So there's not infinite resources you can pursue. And at the flip side, um, you could not utilize infinite resources. So going back to the efficient frontier, where how much wealth do you really need? There's a famous story. I think it's Tolstoy who tells this story. So it's a Russian, an ancient Russian kingdom long ago. We'll call it maybe, you know, what's one of the famous Russian uh, leaders was, uh, uh, what was his name? The Terrible. Um, no, not the Terrible, not Ivan the Terrible. Why is it eluding me right now? Anyway, I'll remember. Catherine the Great will take, she was one of the great female leaders of any country. So back in those times, we'll say, there was a man and he did something for the king and the king rewarded him by saying, listen to me, I will give you all the wealth, all the land that you can run around, walk around before the sun sets. So this peasant said, great, I am going to become wealthy today. And he took off, here, here was the throne, and he started walking and anything he walked around, but the king said, you have to be back before the sun comes down. You have to be down, back before the sun comes down or you get nothing. So the man began to walk and he got greedier and greedier. He's like, should I turn back? It's already noon, it's already 2 p.m. The sun's gonna go down at six. But no, he said, I'll continue to go. I'll continue to walk a little further because the further I walk out, the bigger my wealth will be, the greater my empire. Back then, wealth was mostly in land, agricultural resources. And he began to go and then finally he said, okay, I'm being pretty greedy. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I'm gonna turn around and he began to turn around. But by then it was about four o'clock. So he realized he better jog back. So he started to jog back. And then he realized he was still far away and he wasn't gonna make it back and he, none of the land would be his, none of the wealth. So he began to sprint back and he sprinted so hard, he finally made it the last 60 seconds before that sun set down and he lost all the fortune that he was about to inherit. And he fell over from a heart attack and he died. And they buried him in a regular coffin whatever, six by, they put them in the ground, a little hole in the ground, whatever it is, six by four or something. And the moral of the story was, how much wealth does a man need? That's about that much, because you all end up in the grave. So those of fortune favors those who are not too greedy. Fortune favors those who are not too greedy. Happens all the time, all the time. People are creating wealth and then they want a little bit more and they push so far that something else gives as the great law of physics says. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. That's called acquisitiveness. The world, humans, we inherited acquisitive genes. What's that? Acquisitiveness, common language, you'd call that greed, yet, Fortune favors those who have the appropriate level of greed and the appropriate level of non-materialism. It's possible to be too materialistic, but it's also possible, I would say, it's possible to be non-materialistic enough. Only a fool doesn't realize that having some material goods or even potentially excess is wise. Because remember, your energy and your ability to earn money 
is not equal throughout your whole life. So you have to earn more while you're young because you ain't gonna be able to earn as much most likely when you're, you know, 95 years old. And you can't earn a lot when you're five years old. So once again, you have to push harder. And that's why for those of you watching this, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I did my Thanksgiving on another day because family was traveling. So I'm logical. Thanksgiving doesn't have to be on Thursday. <laughs> it just needs to be, I did it a few days ago when all the family could be together. So it was a good thing. It was actually a great Thanksgiving. Great Thanksgiving. And it's funny how many people get depressed on Thanksgiving. Oh, I don't have a family. Well, okay, if you don't have family, go make a family. The world's full of horrific stories of betrayal of family or being an orphan. And people survive. Some of the top people on the Forbes list were, were adopted or orphans, I think. Wasn't Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos? If I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were both, you know, abandoned by their blood parents and they were adopted and raised by somebody else. And some of the great people in history had it even harder. They grew up in a horrible, I, there was a guy who I have, like I said, every day I wake up Monday through Friday and I do a Zoom call. I have people who work for me in about 30 countries. I'm kind of the main two. I have about 280 people that I, that run my different businesses, different businesses that I talk to. And one of them flew out here and he's from originally from India. Uh, and he's in Canada now, but he told me his life story is tough, man. Parents died in an accident when he was, I think, around one or two years old. He was abandoned into an orphanage. They beat him all the time. But this guy rose out of ashes. And you'll have to be able to... Fortune favors people who can rise out of the ashes. Like a phoenix rising, you know? And so people become too fixated on the past circumstances and the cards that they were dealt. But as I told you, fate is a fickle mistress. You may have had a horrible childhood, but... She's fickle. You didn't have any fate and fortune on your side when you went through that horrible upbringing, but maybe it'll swing back around when you're an adult or whatever age you are now. I didn't have a great upbringing either, you know? My dad was in prison when I was born. All my childhood pictures are like, well, my sub five-year-old childhood pictures are me in a prison yard visiting my dad, but it's okay. My dad never gave a shit about any of his kids. I mean, my dad did and didn't, but he would not visit for 10 years. So, he, you know, but it's okay. I learned to love mentors, which were probably some level of, you know, father figures for me. So you rise out of the ashes. Fortune favors those who can rise out of the ashes. Can you? Or are you a victim of fate? Because if you're a victim of fate, I got bad news for you. You ain't gonna make it. You ain't gonna make it. For those of you who are tied to the past, you ain't gonna make it. I'll just be blunt with you. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I study psychology. I have mentors that are some of the greatest psychologists out there. Dr. David Buss has mentored me for 10 years. He might be the most, the number one living psychologist on earth. He wrote the textbook for Harvard. You ain't gonna make it if you can't rise out of the past, boy. It's a rare hand, it's a rare life that's full of roses all the way through. And so what really ends up happening, fortune favors those who have the ability, I call it POP, P-O-P. Can you pivot out of pain? 
Can you pivot out of pain? This is a great superpower. People, I mean, it's funny. People like superhero movies and all this bullshit about how oh, I can fly and all this stuff. I mean, why is that? You can fly, you can get a jet. You don't need to be able to fly. What you need to be able to do is pop, pivot out of pain. That is a, that's a superpower. I'm gonna get me a shirt. I'm gonna make a movie. I'm gonna have a superhero, I'm not gonna have a Superman, it's gonna have pop on it. Pivot out of pain, man or woman. You know? Yeah, P-O-O-P is poop. <laughs> Doesn't sound as good as pop, does it? Pivot out of your pain, that's all you can do. And if you can't, you ain't gonna make it. <laughs> let, me, let me be, I am not an optimist or a pessimist, my friend. I'm a realist. I'm just like, welcome to planet Earth. Welcome to the jungle. Everybody wants the fortunes of the jungle. The jungle is full of beautiful things. I once went to the Darien jungle in Panama. I was on 14 hours in a canoe. We went, I went with a church youth group and, and did medical dentistry. They had never seen white people before. These were Darien Indians hunting with, you know, bow and arrows. And it was beautiful in the jungle. There was toucans, you know, those birds with all this magical colors. This is in the Darien jungles between Panama and Colombia. And it's full of, you know, it's just, it's wild. It's amazing. Yet, as much as you love the fruits of the jungle, you better be careful because there's piranhas. I remember there was piranhas in the water. And so fortune is what people want. Ty, I want to be rich, man. Ty, I want to make, I got a billion dollar idea. I got an app that's going to make, I'm like, well, you're going to enter the jungle because a lot of people want to make money. You think you're the only one? You think you're competing with yourself? No. It's like going to play basketball and you think you're good because you grew up in your little hometown and you were the best basketball player in your little high school. And then you moved to Los Angeles or you moved to New York and you try out for a college team or you try out to walk onto a pro basketball team and all of a sudden you go, this is the jungle right here. This is the big leagues. That's the same with making money. Everybody wants to make money, but not everybody appreciates the jungle. Fortune favors people who know how to navigate the jungle. I went into the jungle. I remember when I got on social media, a lot of people didn't like me. Oh, this dude shows Lamborghinis, it's all fake. He shows big houses that he leases and da da da. That's the jungle. I'm okay with the jungle. I made a lot of money in the jungle. I'm not afraid of people. Some people, a lot of people love me. Much more people love me than dislike me, but there's always the 10%. It's called the vocal minority. They're the ones gonna be in the comment. It's okay. I learned to be logical. I learned to turn off my emotions. Self-evaluate. Is it true what people are accusing you of? No, then move on. Proceed through life. Proceed. If people have a point and they bring up something you did wrong, just be like, oops, my bad. Pivot out of it. But I'm saying the accusations against me of, you know, oh, this car was a rental car. Lamborghinis, they were leased. But that is because no fucking smart person really buys depreciation, uh, depreciating assets. I went to a little talk with Elon Musk in like 2010 or 2013. He was renting an apartment. He was putting all his capital 
from PayPal into appreciating assets, AKA Solar City, <laughs> Tesla, you know, I'd be like, so when you're in the jungle, the jungle's full of snakes, spiders, piranhas, leopards, panthers, all those things that will pursue you. So you have to be methodical and you have to be, the brain has to be um, tough. And that's how you create a fortune. Everybody wants a fortune, but not everybody's ready for where the fortune lies, which is in the middle of the Darien jungle. You know, you're gonna need a machete. And the machete, as I said, it's all of these things that I've been talking about. It's understanding, it's first how, people say it's mindset that makes you wealthy. I, I mean, that is, <laughs> um, the problem with the concept of mindset is like, mindset is like, okay, I can do it. I'm an optimist, I pat myself on the back, I love me. That's mindset, that's not what gets you. Logical frameworks is what you need. Meaning, when everybody else is losing their mind, you're thinking through things like a chess grandmaster. Say, a chess grandmaster, I know, I, I play chess uh, with the grandmaster. He, he kind of trains me. His name's Fabiano Caragna. He's ranked number two in the world. I think he's number four in history. He's like one above Bobby Fischer. Him and Magnus Carlsen compete for the best chess player alive. He's methodical. He's a methodical player. You can't, he doesn't get emotional. Oh my God, I'm losing. No, he's thinking. He's calculating 17 moves ahead, both for himself and the other side. And that takes brain power. So you're going to have to take the brain. It's not mindset that creates a fortune. It's the mind. And there's a different mindset is some mumbo jumbo personal development stuff that I don't even believe in. It's the mumbo jumbo. Forget the mumbo jumbo. It's the mind that separates you from others. Do you have control over the mind? Do you? Think long and hard. Because everybody tells me they have control over the mind, but I'm like, I don't know if you do. I don't see the fruits of that. Like, do you have it? Where's the fruits of this? I know what a methodical mind looks like. They're cool and calm under pressure. They're contrarian when the rest of the world is, uh, you know, Watching the news, they're reading a book. <laughs> That's, there you go. When the rest of the world is fighting over politics, they're going, this doesn't even matter. When the rest of the world is freaked out about anything. What, think of how many things you could have freaked out about in the last 100 years. Maybe somebody watching here is 100 years old. You never know. My grandma's 102 on my social media till she sadly died, you know, last year. But, um, you know, you think clearly and you realize in the 102 years my grandma was on this earth, she was born in February, 1918. World War I was still going wild. World War I, you're talking England, France, Russia against Germany, America drawn into it, Africa drawn into it, Asia drawn into it, Eastern Europe, uh, South Africa, there was, I mean, South America, there were battles, the whole world at war. My grandma's born into that. Then the 1920s come. In Germany, it was the Weimar Republic. They printed too much money, inflation, just like America's printing too much money. 
When you print too much money, inflation comes. My grandma remembers people with wheelbarrows. You had to wheelbarrow the money you got paid. Try to get to the bank because if you didn't deposit it in time, the money was worthless. People used the money for kindling. You wanted to start a fire, you took like 100,000 of these, you know, fake, they weren't dollars, but I forget what they were before the marks. I forget what the, you burned it. My grandma lived through that. In 1929, you had the Great Depression in America. You had many years. America was in a horrible place for a long time. It was only World War II, the war machine, which is a whole nother conversation, but war machines restart economies. Then you had the 1940s, where you had nuclear weapons go off. 1950s, the beginning of the Cold War, Stalin still in power. 1960s, you had, you know, the Kennedy, the, the, the Bay of Pigs, the missile crisis. People thought the world was going to end. 1970s, you had oil issues. You had stagflation. 1980s, you had hyperinflation rates. That's the savings and loan crisis. The 1990s, there was also a recession. Then you had the early 2000s, the tech bubble. 2008, you had this bubble. Six million people evicted from their home. Just this game, this is how the game goes. But out of that, fortune favors the person who just shrugs it off and goes, it's all part of the jungle. You walk through the jungle and you go, of course, this is a, somebody. If you walk through the Darien jungle, you wouldn't be like, Ty, you're not even gonna believe this. You're not gonna believe that there's a snake going across. No, in fact, if you go through the jungle, you're in shock if you don't see something trying to eat you, you definitely know you're in trouble in the jungle. That means the panther is waiting for you to pounce. So some of you, when you think life is perfect, you should be the most concerned because you've let your guard down. You're not evaluating your social circle. You're not evalu evaluating the people who work for you. In fact, a lot of the things that are worse, that they're, they spring out of prosperity, not adversity. Some of you are in the midst of adversity and you don't realize that all great things spring out of adversity. Adversity is the mother of fortune. She gives birth to the fortune that you want. Now, once again, on the optimal frontier, sometimes people say, oh, you, you, know, you gotta live a horrible life and make a lot of mistakes to make wealth. That's not true, there's an optimal frontier. Here's the fortune you want. Here's the amount of mistakes you make. If you make no mistakes, you have no fortune. If you, you can't Google experience, that's what Joel Salatin, my mentor said, you can't Google experience, now can you? You have to make a few mistakes. But if you make too many mistakes, well, like Richard Dawkins says in The Selfish Gene, organisms that can simulate the future without actually making the mistakes themselves do better than those organisms that only learn through trial and error. Trial and error ends you up dead. <laughs> that's where you end up. So in the optimal frontier, some of you are learning the hard way too much. Who here is learning the hard way too much? You're making a lot of mistakes and you're patting yourself on the back and you're going, you know, oh, okay, okay, this is horrible. And some of you are so insulated. You inherited money. You haven't worked for it. Guess what? Fortune is not waiting for you. Loss is waiting for you. What happens? to the grandchildren of the wealthy. They end up meth head drug addicts with who spend their grandparents' fortune. So you, each of you, fortune favors people who are perfectly uh, finding this efficient frontier, this optimal place on the graph.
of the right amount of trauma, but too much trauma will paralyze you and put you into full PTSD into a place where it's very hard to recover. So you have to insulate yourself. Some people, some of you are dating the same people. You're launching the same stupid businesses over and over. You're trusting the same business partner screwing you over and over. That's not good. You're, you've moved over. You've moved over into a place that you're not gonna recover from. And like I said, some of you are too afraid of mistakes. Fortune favors the bold and the bold always make mistakes. So on the optimal frontier, some of you are afraid to launch a business. You're afraid, ah, what if my business fails? My answer to you is, that's probably the, <laughs> the you know what precipitates a great business? Maybe an average business. Elon Musk's first business, or maybe the first business most people know him for was PayPal, even though that wasn't really his first business. But, and that was a success, but not a mega success for him financially. He says he made between 100 and $200 million. But out of that came a man who built three unicorns or Deca unicorns or Senta unicorns now. He has SolarCity, SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company, you know, he has Neuralink. And that was born out of boldness. He was bold, even though the first or the second go around wasn't necessarily the thing that brought him all of the fortune that he sought. You know, so I hope you all realize that life is about the perfect balance and the perfect ratio. And if you can know that, you'll know more than anybody you'll ever meet. Right there. You'll know more than every person giving advice anywhere you'll ever meet. Because very few people actually know what the hell they're talking about. In fact, people say, Ty, what's the most... If you could go back and be 18 years old, what's the number one lesson you would tell yourself? What would you teach your 18 year old self? Easy, if I walked out of that time machine, I'm walking up to my 18 year old self, I'm grabbing myself on the shoulder, shaking myself and say, listen to me, ignore almost everyone. Literally do not let them say one word of advice to you. They can be your friends, they can be your parents. Talk about movies, talk about food, do not let them give you advice. The signal to noise ratio will destroy you. But when you find a few people who actually are qualified and have competence, do almost everything they say. And I call that non-democratic, non-egalitarian listening and learning. That's life's greatest lesson. And what I'm telling you is it very few, most people will say, work hard, that creates wealth. Hustle, NFTs create wealth. This creates, everybody has this close-ended understanding what creates wealth. The truth about wealth is wealth is a dynamic game. In fact, there's a great movie about John Nash who created Nash Equilibrium, he won a Nobel Prize, and that is game theory in non-cooperative environments, which is actually what wealth is. Wealth is how to create, how to play the game when those in the game aren't necessarily on your side. And guess what? That game becomes extremely complex. You almost need quantum computers Behavioral economics, like Richard Thaler is a Nobel Prize winner, is so complex, the most intelligent people on earth can't predict the next swing in the economic world. Some people will tell you Bitcoin's gonna go to zero. Some people will tell you Bitcoin will go to a million. Nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Why would you listen to them? People say, oh, I'm a technical trader. I can read a chart, I can tell you. And they draw a line and they say, look, the flag and did this. 
There's not one technical trader on the top of the Forbes list ever. <laughs> so people who tell you they can predict the future, not one of them's ever created real wealth. Name one. Maybe they get to the bottom of the Forbes list. Nobody. Well, who's at the top of the Forbes list? What puts, what actually, I'll tell you this. You know what creates fortunes? Owning brands. Brands create, being a trader is not where you create wealth. Or, or I should, you can get rich trading, but you can't get wealthy. Wealthy is from creating trusted brands that are global. What are those people who are on top of the Forbes list? The, the lesson book is right for you. You don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to anybody. You go to Forbes.com, you look at the top people on the Forbes list. Who are they? They own brands and they didn't sell. They're the opposite of traders. Who's, who's at the top? Elon Musk, he owns brands. Tesla's a massive brand probably more loved and recognizable than all the other car companies in the world, or at least the major ones, Ford, Chevy, nobody really loves those that much. People love, Tesla's almost a cult, you know? He had built, who else? Bernard Arnault, who owns Louis Vuitton and a family of 80 companies. Louis Vuitton's a pretty well-known global brand, and he held on to it. Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg, and it goes on and on, the Walmart family and all of these people. You don't find anybody that says they can predict the future. Fortune does not favor those who have close-ended answers. Sometimes people ask me questions and I talk for 30 minutes and they go, well, I want a quick answer. I said, well, then you want the wrong answer. As Albert Einstein said, you should make things simp as simple as possible, but not simpler. Wealth is the amalgamation of scarce resources in competition with 7.9 other billion other acquisitive people. Acquisitive nature of humans is so embedded. The selfishness of humans is built in. Who, who's ever had a little brother, little sister, or a child? You have to teach them to share. Humans don't share by nature. That's the jungle of child, children. The DNA code that is written right here inside of you says be selfish unless it's your own kin group basically and so for those of you who want to create a fortune fortune does not favor those who can only absorb easy answers Hi. what's the what's the number one book i should read that's the number one question people ask me what's one the number one book that explains all of life Hey, buddy, if you find it, let me know. Because I've been reading thousands of books and searching through tens of thousands, and I ain't found that book. What is that book? What's the book that leads people to what they want out of life? Never been written. Why? Because life is a dynamic game, as John Nash said. That means and it's, uh, evolutionary psychologists call this frequency selected uh, frequency dependent environments. That means what works, let's say e-commerce works for a while, then a whole bunch of people do it and it takes the profit out of it and now a new opportunity comes. So the simple answer, people will tell you, buy real estate, that's created the most millionaires. Well, that's true in the past, but now that everybody knows that, capital flows into it and their yields drop. Crypto. Oh, you should get into this, Doge, Sheep. Well, if a lot of other people saw it, it's a dynamic game. And the more people that get into it, guess what happens? The profit's removed. 
as a great economist, any great economist would tell you, there is no profit in the long term because wealth is a dynamic game. Very dynamic. So only, game, only people who understand the game of life actually get the fortune. Fortune favors those who understand the game and understand the rules within the game and understand you must submit to the rules. Because a lot of people don't want to submit. I'm my own boss. Nobody else tells me what to do. That's not true. Somebody's always telling me what to do. Someone said, real estate is bulletproof and fortune. My brother, my sister, whoever said that, you have a dark day waiting for you. I hope you get out of your fixed mentality. One of my first mentors, he wasn't quite a billionaire. He was worth 700 million bucks. He said, Ty, anybody who tells you can't make, you can't lose in any investment, they just ain't lived long enough. <laughs> They're a newbie. <laughs> They're not an OG. He was an OG, he was 70 years old. He said, Ty, I once was building, back in the 1980s, I built a skyscraper in downtown Houston. I had to knock it down because it was out of the money. Any investment can get out of the money. It's a slang term. It's like poker. You can get out of the money real quick playing poker. And you can get real. It's more about how many people, how earlier you are in, in the cycle. You don't want, again, the frontier of fortune. You don't want to get in too early. Pioneers don't make most of the money. Who made more money? Tom from MySpace the first big social media network. There was Friendster and some smaller ones, but the first big one was Tom from MySpace. He's actually, I met him, he became friends. He, he was in my 67 steps, it was insane. He's like, I, I go in your programs. But he made money, but Mark Zuckerberg became the age-adjusted richest person in the world. You know, real estate's a great way to become a millionaire. There's nobody on the top of the Forbes list from real estate, zero. There's no one in America on the top 100 who made their fortune from real estate, but you should still have real estate in their portfolio. And someplace in the world right now, real estate's the best place to go. Maybe it's in Laos, maybe it's in Suriname, maybe it's in, you know, Manchuria. Who knows? There's always wealth created in real estate. It's just not where everybody's telling you. The more people that go into it, the dynamic game changes. When everybody's telling you multifamily in, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, you in trouble because there's limited real, real estate and the price gets bid up. And as the price gets bid up, the yield drops. That's why I say wealth and fortune comes to those who understand the dynamics, a dynamic world, dynamic. The fool focuses on fixed rules that they think you know what made the most wealth the first billionaire in the United States history? Well, the, probably the first billionaire was George Washington. War <laughs> made him rich. War and power. 1800s, the first real kind of billionaire that we, in business history, no, not Henry Ford, it was Vanderbilt, Cornelius Vanderbilt. You know what made him wealthy? Steam, he had a steam engine boat that shuttled people back and forth. That was the beginning of his wealth. So that's the game you had to play in, that was the 1840s. You played, wealth came, and then the 1850s, when the gold rush came, who got wealthy besides the gold rush? The actual miners themselves. In the 1850s, you had gold rushes, silver rushes, precious metals. It was people 
who made pants for them, jeans. Levi Strauss created the, the modern jeans that we wear, these rugged pants. He became one of the wealthiest people on earth. Dynamic game. It was not fixed. You couldn't predict it 20 years before what would create the wealth. So wealth comes to those who have high awareness of what the economic environment tells them for the day. Like a great general does not plan seven years ahead for a battle because the other side, it's like chess. They're also planning. As the art of war says, Sun Tzu, thousands of years ago, the most read business book or book read by business CEOs, war is won by espionage. The greatest leader wins without battle because they've already surveilled the frontier and the terrain ahead of them. So have you, what is the terrain telling you where wealth is right now? Where's wealth right now? Well, you know, crypto is a place that it is right now. On the, I just read the cover of Forbes magazine, the Sam FTX guy, he's 29 years old, he has $22 billion. Nobody in modern history has ever done that. That's his net worth. You know? So wealth comes to those. And he said in 2019, before 2019, he wasn't even doing the crypto world. So in the last two years, he created this because he was dynamic. And now his wealth on a per, if you, pro, if you uh, uh, calculate it based on his age, he's wealthier than Warren Buffett, who's 95 years old and worth, you know, 100 billion plus. What would you rather have if you time adjust 22 billion at 29? He's wealthier than Jeff Bezos. He's wealthier than Elon Musk because he's also a multi, he's a decabillionaire on the time side. 22 billion from crypto, he owns FTX, FTT, he owns Alameda Research, he's dynamic. So that's what I tell you. And he even says an interesting interview, I was reading it yesterday in Forbes. He said, and this is where I make money now, but who knows if he'll be in crypto forever. That guy knows what he's, that, this kid's smart. This dude's no joke. And he thinks the opposite of the whole world. You know, the whole world's like, a parent tells a kid, son, daughter, if you want wealth, this is what grandpa did and this is what I did and you do this. That don't work that way. Now, sorry. The world has always been, but now it's an accelerated game theory game that's being played out in front of you right now. It's insane. The game is like, it's sped up. That's why a lot of people fail anxiety. You're deep down, your genes know that you're in a hyper kind of hyperdynamic environment. And it doesn't necessarily make you happier. That's why I spent about half of my time on my farms. I bought a whole bunch of farms and I'm like, I'm gonna be on my farms. I go old school. I go old school too. I got horses. I don't even use tractors on one of my farms. I hitch up, I have 32 horses, big horses, Belgians, hitch them up old school like they did in the 1700s. I got wagons. I got, if the world goes to crap, I'm building a new house too on one of them with that'll have water power next to a river, completely off the grid. My house is kind of, a, I got three farms that are off the grid right now, about 500 acres. And uh, it's in the middle of an Amish community. So I like, I like that game too. The dynamics of realizing that the world can go to crap real fast. So you don't want to put all your egg. Fortune favors those who prepare for extreme black swan events. A black swan event is something so unexpected, like 9-11, like 
even, you know, the Titanic was a black swan. Nobody expected this huge boat in, what was it, 1912 to go down, you know. Nobody expected COVID-19, you know, 2019, 2020, this introduction by whatever happened, it was unexpected for most of the world. And so you're going to have to prepare for a black swan event. Fortune favors those who prepare early, you know. You should have a whole bunch of water bottles in the basement of your house. Buy a whole bunch of canned tuna, man. Buy flashlights. You might want a gun with some bullets. Not even to kill people, but you may have to hunt. Low probability, but doesn't cost much to prepare for. And, and when you look at like risk assessment, like an actuary or like an insurance company, you put things in a grid, right? So you have like high probability, low cost, or, or low loss. High probability, low loss. Low probability, low loss low probability high loss and you know high probability high loss things with high probability high loss are hard to insure for and you don't need to prepare uh insure at all for low probability low loss right that's like you're fine but high probability uh, uh low probability and high loss you should prepare for that's like the city not having water wherever you live you should have water <laughs> where do they teach that in school yo bro Buy five jugs of water, stick them in the closet. Buy 20 cans of tuna and have a can opener. Somebody says, you lost me with the canned tuna. Uh, well, let me tell you, brother, sister, you ever hungry? You're gonna be eating canned tuna like it's a feast. <laughs> Don't think that way. You want stuff that'll last. You want something, get everybody, if you're a vegetarian, get canned garbanzo beans, you know? Prepare, it almost happened. Right now, there's multiple places in the world where the supply chain broke down of food. London, England, the United States. The world, there's a thin threshold between the reverting to barbarian nature and staying in a civilized world. So you gotta go, eh, low probability, but easy to solve for. Cost you 50 bucks. 50 bucks, you get batteries. Now, I'll tell you this, if times get bad, just go to bed early. You'll be fine, you don't need electricity that much. Unless you live like in Stockholm, Sweden, where there's only three hours of light. But what you need is food, water, shelter, and protection. But you don't need an arsenal, you know. You ain't gonna be able to blow away everybody. But you may need a gun to hunt for, hunt with. But anyway, we dive, we, we, we a little bit. Ah, we didn't get off track. Fortune favors the prepared. Ain't nobody prepared for anything. It's insane. When there's one snowstorm, people are like stocking up on food. I'm like, bro, do you not have enough food for one inch of snow? I used to live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm going, it's gonna be this much snow. You could walk to go get food. You'll <laughs> be all, but the whole world shuts down. And now I'll tell you, we live in a world, fortune favors the even keeled. Fortune favored the person who's cool under pressure. That is not the world we live in. The second things go bad, this whole world freaks out. Part of it's the media. The media is full of people who freak out over it. They're, they're paid to freak out. Don't ever get your financial advice from anything that the media puts out. Even Forbes, I mean, Forbes is the closest thing you can learn from because it's just a list. But even then, the richest man in the world's not Elon Musk, it's probably Putin. Richest man in the world. <laughs> Richest man in the world ain't Jeff Bezos. Putin has the military behind him. 
he can just take the Ukraine if he wants to, you know. But I still think you can learn from the Forbes list, but don't ever learn from, basically if it's mass media, do not like turn it off. I scan it for about no more than two minutes a day and that's probably too much. Now, what should you be reading? Autobiographies, textbooks, textbooks, textbooks. I'm a college dropout. My business partner and some of my businesses is a PhD. I have two PhD business partners. Shit, PhD doesn't mean you know more than me. I read the same books that PhDs read and they forgot all about because people get so burnt out in college, they stop reading. Read biographies and textbooks. You read those two things. Autobiographies are good, but biographies teach you the game of chess because you can see how the game unfolded for other people. In chess, there's about 1,100 openings you can memorize. That's it. All people have been playing chess, you know, let's say chess came, chess came from backgammon, came from Persia, Middle East, North Africa. Well, it's been played for thousands of years or some variant of it. And um, they've only come up with 1,100 chess openings. You can memorize most of them. Not all of them are good. But I ask people, what's your methodical approach to life? People haven't even memorized one opening to life. You need to have it. I have a rule in my mind. I have 300 frameworks of wealth, I call them. You can go check out my website, tylopez.com. I've never published all of them, but I started publishing a few. I made a little course. It was $1. I was like, dude, I spent my whole life doing this. I can't stand to give it away for free. So I charged one buck. That's the least I could charge. Some people are like, oh, Ty, how dare you charge for stuff? It's such a scam. I was like, bitch, you dropped 20000 on community college. Don't ever even come talking to me about what I charge for stuff. One of my courses is better than all community college combined in the history of mankind. I know that sounds cocky. I'll make that bet. I will take somebody's money. You want me to take your money? We'll go to a, we'll find 20 unbiased judges. We'll put together my 67 steps, which is 67 hours of me training what mentors taught me and what some of the great thinkers and bringing it so it's easy to understand. Name a class. Name a class better than that. It's community college or... I've taught at Harvard. I've taught at London Business School. I know what people are learning. It's a lot of bizarreness. Because you're top. I like professors, but I don't learn everything from professors. Some things you can learn from professors. History, you can learn from professors. Economics, you can learn. But some business, you learn from people in the trenches. You want to learn MMA? You, <laughs> you learn from somebody who's been in a ring. And so my point of saying that anyway is the 300 frameworks. You need to have frameworks in your mind. Jeff Bezos has 14 frameworks that he thinks through. So when the times get tough at Amazon and he was trying to build his business, he has a framework to think through. Elon Musk has frameworks to think of him. He, he has one called, you know, arguing from first principles. He has these various things that he's learned. So if you can be methodical, if you can be calm under pressure, fortune is waiting for you. Whether it be wealth, whether it be love, whether it be a body that's healthy, Fortune is a fickle mistress. She changes her mind often, but she does favor certain people. You know, if there's a girl you love or a guy you love, you know, people's love is somewhat fickle, meaning they might never love you, but there's things you can do to make yourself more lovable. Some people call that luck. There's things you can do to make yourself more unlucky. How do you make yourself unlucky? 
hang out with horrific people, not know how to read people, think life is a simplistic straight line, here's the five answers to life, not understand its game theory, be lazy, don't allocate your time correctly, you know, listen to the wrong people, watch TikTok dances all day, <laughs> there's a great one, watch Instagram real TikTok dances, this shit is sure to dumb you down to the absolute bottom of the barrel, you know, not, and again, you can, I watch a little bit of sports every day. It's kind of mindless. I watch five minutes. I watch five minutes. I watch like a house of whatever it is, highlight reels. I like basketball. It's good. A little entertainment is actually healthy for you. Just like sleeping is healthy for you. But if you sleep like the proverb goes, you know, slothful person, awake ye slothful person, look to the ant who works hard. You know, those little ants are working harder than humanity is. And who knows, maybe we're gonna have UBI. Universal basic income. Everybody can just sit at home and be in the metaverse and do nothing and turn into blobs with no muscle tone. Yay, what a world. That's what some people say, oh, die, you don't need all this work ethic at all. Just like, oh, we're just gonna have universal. Oh. How to create unhappy people. Universal basic income. How to make, how to increase the suicide rate. Just have people walking around in a metaverse. Yay. Now, I'm not against the metaverse. Again, this is the metaverse. I don't know you, you don't know me, but we're talking. Or at least you're listening. The metaverse is okay. The first TV, the first telephone was the metaverse. The first letter that was mailed, you know, thousands of years ago. Native Americans had smoke signals. That was the metaverse. It was an artificial replication of something you do in person. This has been around. But guess what? The modern world's so imbalanced. Fortune favors the balanced. If you want to be poor, be an extremist. And people will say, oh, I've heard other people telling me. Well, that's not true. You have to focus and be extreme on one thing. Well, fucking, you listen to shitty people. It ain't my fault. Go listen to the wisest people to ever walk this planet. There's lots of them in every culture. From Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, Pericles, <laughs> Rousseau. I mean, think about Hegel, Nietzsche, all of these people. And again, Freud, they have their flaws, but the answers are all there. They're all there right in front of you. You wanna learn business? Read. Made in America by Sam Walton. He has his dynamic rules of the game. He has 10 rules of the game. Give your employees equity. There you go. But don't give too much because sometimes employees leave. <clears throat> anyway. Somebody said in Clubhouse, you told someone once, your limit is that you can't copy yourself. Those seven words are worth more than my master's degree. I'm gonna, let me take questions. For those of you in Speakeasy, I've got a premium group and I'm only taking questions there. If you haven't downloaded my Speakeasy app, it's a good place. Let's see. David Buss, Dr. David Buss says, pain is the key to change. Yes, but fortune does not favor people who only can learn from pain. It's optimal if you, because I have a friend, he's been starting businesses for 10 years. Every one of them fails and he's like, see Ty, I'm learning. I'm like, at some point I gotta tell you brother, you're too slow of a learner. 
You do not need to have 10 failed businesses. You might have to have one failed business, but that's it. You don't want to be making two, three. You're going to start wasting decades of your life. So yes, pain, the better way to say it is that pain is a catalyst, but you don't want too much of it because pain is deadly. So it's, it's the Aristotelian, Aristotle, arguably the greatest, most intelligent person in human history was a man named Aristotle. He was the mentor of Alexander the Great, the Macedonian you know, leader. The father of Alexander Great was this man named Philip of Macedon, and he, he wanted his son Alexander to be great, Alexander the Great. So he found the wisest man on earth, and the wisest man on earth at that time was considered to be Aristotle. And Aristotle had created rules of how to live and, and how he thought through life. He was very methodical. And you gotta be that same way, you know? And it worked. It worked. Alexander the Great became one of the great leaders of all time, and we still talk about him. Although he maybe wasn't wise enough and he didn't listen. Remember I said, uh, Fortune favors the bold, but if you're too bold, like Alexander the Great, you get too aggressive and you get killed. That happened to America. America was too aggressive. And look at the Vietnam War. It's too aggressive. Yes, they wanted to fight the, the domino effect of the communists. That's what America said. That's what Kennedy said, and that's Nixon and Lyndon B. Johnson. But America became too aggressive. And, but you, America, you can also be too passive. And some people in America are like, oh, America doesn't need a military. That's stupid too. You do need a military. In fact, America, the world almost lost World War I because America's army was not prepared to help. And so again, you need to think of dynamic rules. Sometimes you wanna attack and sometimes you wanna be passive. Is there a way to purchase your USB crypto in regular um, right now you got to do it. It's a, we're going to go over onto Ethereum. So it'll be easier to purchase soon. We're going to bridge it right now. It's just on Polygon. Polygon is a network with lower fees, a blockchain. So Ty, please optimize speakeasy for Apple TV and CarPlay. Yes. Lots of stuff coming. We submitted our newest changes to Apple. We're waiting for Apple to approve them. Someone said, Andrew, is Alan the Great lost because his currency lost value? Yeah, I don't know if totally that's, I mean, he was, he attacked into like kind of modern day India and he got shot by an arrow. And you fight too many battles. If you're too aggressive, you, you end up losing for that reason, you know? Professor said, my stock and crypto community would love the IG lot. Why don't you come, for, why don't you do one on here and I'll come pop in your bring your community on to uh, Speakeasy. I'll come on here. Josh says he's gonna make more money now than ever because of this. Yeah. Somebody said Elon Musk isn't even in the top 100 richest people in the world. Well, I think that's too extreme. I think other people like Putin or, you know, world leaders. In general, wealth is also created by having a powerful military, you know, people say it's fun. I'm totally pro crypto, most of it, not all of it, but sometimes in crypto, you hear some inaccurate economic sayings. Like people say, nothing's backing the dollar. That's not true. The U S dollar is backed by the full credit 
faith and credit of the United States, but more importantly by the tax that it can take from its citizens, which on a $20 trillion GDP amount for let's say two to four trillion a year in tax receipts. So it's like a business that has income. The US dollar is backed by something, but, but on the flip side, um, it's a complicated conversation because the US dollar is also deflating or, or it, in it, it's inflating, it's being inflated, but the buying power is deflating. And so this is a problem in the United States um, that's very complicated, but the US is ultimately backed by the military and countries will attack. Part of why Japan became involved in World War II was not necessarily because they loved Hitler so much. They became an ally with Nazi Germany, but more importantly, they were a small island and they were worried about their resources. Japan's a small island, so they wanted to invade the South Pacific, which is what they did. And they made it all the way to basically New Zealand and were potentially attacking Australia because they needed rubber, uh, back then, you needed rubber. Rubber was grown on trees. You needed, you know, everything. And so, when countries lack resources, they be, they go to war. So America's backed by many things. And in terms of who's the wealthiest people in the world, I mean, you could say the president of the United States is wealthy. <laughs> Look what happens after every president stops being president; they become wealthy. Obama, Trump, the Bush family having that level of power, but the wealthiest people in the world in business, you know, Elon Musk is certainly one of the wealthiest. He has extremely powerful brands that are loved in every country almost that they're available in. So, Ty, I think you're amazing. Thank you for the couch conversation years back. The House of the Saudis, Middle East has a lot of wealth. China has a lot of wealth. Look at China. I actually saw a report that China's now officially higher net worth than the United States. I'm not sure that I 100% believe that, but certainly China is, is made fun of by Americans way too much. As the art of war says, do not underestimate the enemy. And I don't believe China is the enemy of America, but that is the analogy. Do not underestimate anybody who's potentially an adversary. If anything, what you should do is, you know, Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. What's conventional wisdom that keeps people broken, unhappy? Just do you. That's probably love yourself no matter what. As I said, loving yourself, there's an element of truth to self-esteem, but the science on self-esteem is just, if you actually are logical, self-esteem is in many ways is very overrated. Um, again, you can be have too low self-esteem, uh, which happens, but in general, your brain is a careful calculating machine. It, it, if you lack confidence in, let's say, business, it's probably because you're not that good yet. It, the genetics of humans, you know, as Sigmund Freud said, anatomy is destiny. So you have to understand your destiny. You're, you are the offspring of winning grandparents. They did very well. You won the genetic lottery, even if you're, you don't think you're ugly or not that smart. And, and, but at some level, you should have a lot of confidence in yourself because you're part of humanity. And if you're an atheist, you would believe that you won the genetic lottery. You came, and if you're a religious person, you think God made you. So either way, you should have a level of confidence. With that said, with that said, with that said, you also have to understand that in the jungle, there's interspecies competition. 
So there's intraspecies competition, which is, there used to be another group of hominids called, you know, Neanderthals, and we humans killed them. There's no more Neanderthals left, although some people look like they're a Neanderthal. But when you do your DNA test, you will probably be one to 5% Neanderthal. They're still in our genes, but that intraspecies competition killed out the Neanderthals, but there's interspecies, which means you should have confidence. I'm a human, I made it, my grandparents made it. My IQ is smarter, you know, than much smarter than I think. Your body can look, a lot of people don't like their body. If you hit the damn gym, I'm telling you almost, and you eat right, almost anybody who hates their body or hates their looks becomes like 10 times more attractive. It's insane, insane. When you get your body to the right body fat, your face looks different. A lot of people don't like their face. Like, oh, I hate my face. I'm like, get to the optimal body fat. And it's different for men and women. Um, but anyway, that's the good news about humanity, about being a human. The bad news is that there's interspecies competition, which means every human also around you also inherited that same set of advanced genes. And so they're, they're in the jungle with you and they want the fruit too. They're trying to beat you to the fruit and you're trying to get there. And so you're racing through the jungle and they don't mind sticking their foot out and having you trip every once in a while. You see, that's the jungle. What is the optimal body fat percentage? Depends who you ask. Depends if you ask the body positivity people or you ask a scientist. Which answer do you want? You want the scientist or you want the body positivity movement? You pick, you know? For men, you probably wanna be 12, under 12%. If you're a woman, you don't wanna to be too low. It messes with your metabolism, you know? Women are much more complicated bodies. I mean, women can reproduce the species. You only need 10,000 men on earth and you could have 3 billion women doing just fine in the sense of reproduction. So men, you know, in some ways are more simplistic anatomy. And so women have to not get as skinny as men. It's just a real problem to get too skinny. But men rarely are too, men rarely have too low a body fat. Men can go way down. Michael Jordan was like 4% body fat. You know, somebody said do a video on CRO. Mm. What's up with people thinking I'm on cocaine? Do I seem like I'm on cocaine? This seems to be a new thread in Instagram. Ties on cocaine. Maybe because I speak quickly. I, I, I just figure it's because people aren't used to people talking about stuff <laughs> like this. So anybody who talks like this looks like cocaine. Maybe. It, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I told you I've learned a long time ago to just be like kind of logical about stuff. So I notice when people hate on me, but I'm more curious I think if you, I'll tell you, fortune favors the scientist. Each of you should become a little bit of a scientist. Not that you spend all your time looking at test tubes, but a, but a scientist is less concerned with outcomes and more concerned with the process of observation. I notice that a lot of people, I, I get a lot of people going, Ty, I finally have a lot of social media followers. How do I deal with hate? And I'm like, well, you deal with it as a scientist. You evaluate it as a curious person. You know, I'm curious. I notice, for example, in my scientific experience, quote unquote scientific, over the last years, the people who hate me are a very specific group of people. 
there tend to be kind of like video game dudes who I think were bullied growing up. That's is for sure a large percentage of that. Not all, but there's a percentage of what you would call high Machiavellian people. In the dark triad of the human brain, there's a certain subset of people who have high Machiavellianism, which is usually mostly caused by childhood trauma. So people who are bothered by me are usually, in my experience, and maybe that sounds offensive, but that's my opinion, my hypothesis. It's so for example, I had YouTube videos with Lamborghinis and pretty women. I mean, that's who does that piss off? People who feel like they can't get that. People who feel like they can get it are just like, wow, I don't care. I'll get it myself, you know? So, but it's been an interesting observation. It's been, I call them chirpers, you know? And, and I was not really bullied in high school. I was bullied more at home from step parents and stuff, but in school, I didn't have that experience. So most of my friends were like pretty confident people. So it's been interesting. Like I wasn't exposed to that world at all, you know? And they've done a lot of science. People who respond, anybody who comments at all, pretty much on social media, you should Google the psychology of comments. Look at like, it was like the American Psychological Association, like the biggest one they did. People who comment like on YouTube, have like a hundred times more mental illness than people, normal people don't comment. Normal people, if they don't like you, they don't comment. They just stop, they unsubscribe to your channel, okay? So most people that hate on you, for example, if somebody in your family or a friend or an acquaintance or a friend or a friend continually pursues you in a hate manner, always they have mental illness because normal people without mental illness, if they piss you off, or sorry, if you piss them off, they just leave. It's kind of like if there's a TV channel I don't like, I just never go to it. If it's like channel 43 is like whatever, underwater basket weaving, I just always skip past 43. So people who go to channel 43 and then take an hour of their day to call, you know, the cable company and be like, I'd like to make a complaint. Channel 43 pisses me off. Why is it on your blah, blah? And they write like a letter and there's people who do this, people who write emails to customer service. I don't like that you, it's like Netflix. Netflix has these huge things. Like there'll be a certain kind of movie and like the, the Christian right or the democratic left, liberal left doesn't like it. And they like stage walkouts. And I'm going, bro, what the fuck is wrong with you? Do you have nothing else to do? When I don't like something on Netflix, I don't watch it. Like you can put anything on Netflix, anything on it. You can put the stupidest stuff. I'm either gonna cancel my subscription or watch other stuff, but you're gonna have to learn to deal with that. People are weird, bro. I will tell you this, another interesting thing that I've learned, I would say probably 20% of the world has serious psychological problems, both genetic and environmental. And I asked some really great psychologists, I have some pretty good mentors, some of them won Nobel Prize, some of them, like I said, are Ivy League professors, they're like, that's probably about right. Probably about, someone said, Ty, that can't be true. Oh, bro, you've been finessed by this world. When you're playing poker and after 20 minutes, you don't know who the sucker at that table, you're that sucker. If you don't know the, it's like the, if you don't know that, it's like Chris Rock says about your uncle. He's like, uncles will teach you everything in life. Everybody has the cool uncle, the weird uncle. Like that's true about life. 
So if you're going through this life thinking people are innately healthy, you I mean, wake up. It's, I would say 20% people, percent of people, it's just a guess, are seriously psychologically, uh, you could say unhealthy. Unstable is the actual scientific word. And then probably another 30% have more moderate levels of instability, but still enough that you don't want them in your social circle. So it's like at best 50% of the people in your life are really the people that will go to war for you and have your back. Now, if you are a person who has discernment, learns how to read people, then you can probably surround yourself with like 80% healthy people. That's what I try to do at my companies, um, in my life. And every time I violate that rule, shit goes bad. Like you must, the greatest skill, if I, I fortune favors those who can read human psychology. If you want to write one thing down from this talk I've been doing for the last whatever hour or two hours, fortune favors those who can read people. It is the greatest. People go, oh, I want to learn how to make money. I want to, you know, I have big e-commerce businesses. I have big crypto stuff. Um, and I have real estate. I own thousand acres. Like, I, like, I'm like, no, forget all that. I have a white to black belt system that I have. Out of my 280 people I talk to every day who work for me, I have 60 of them that I'm cultivating and training to go from blue belt in my kind of business mindset to black belt. Most won't become black belt very hard to become a business black belt. I think some of it's genetic. Um, I don't think everybody, but I think almost anybody can become a brown belt, wherever you're from in the world. If you have, if you're willing to listen, willing to be humble, you're not stubborn, you're not sensitive, uh, and you're not impatient, you can become a brown belt. Someone said, what belt do you have? I mean, I use numbers. So like, if you have a hundred million plus business, you're a black belt. So me and my business partner, Alex, are black belts in that system. I, you become a coral belt if you get on the Forbes list and you become a red belt if you're at the top of the Forbes list. Now, the way I classify like a blue, purple, or brown, a blue belt can run a business of mine for no more than one day without me checking on them. That's a blue belt, but they can run it for 24 hours. But if I don't kind of keep, you know, Sam Walton is in the book that his autobiography said, look over the shoulder. He says, you want to create wealth, you got to check over the shoulder. So a blue belt, I can need to check on almost every day. A purple belt, I can go a week without testing. A purple belt's like the equivalent of a colonel in the military. Um, <laughs> Ty says, you're the only one who makes any sense in the world. I hope I'm not the only one who makes any sense. Be a, I need people I can listen to too, right? Now, there's, there's more than you think. By the way, the bad news, I told you probably 50% of the world is somewhat unstable, but um, about... 2% of the world's amazing. And that doesn't sound good, but 2% of, let's just call it 8 billion people is how many? 10% of 8 billion is what? Anybody know math? 800 million. So that's our 2% of 8 billion, it's not quite that, and some of them are children and some of them are old, but let's say 5 billion. That's 100 million people that are sharp out there. You know, there's a hundred million people. The problem is that they're spread out among 8 billion people. So this is signal to noise ratio is messed up. The signal to noise is rest is messed up in this world. But the greatest 
when what I was talking about is so a blue belt is somebody that I can I have to look over shoulder every day. Purple belt I need to check every week, and a brown belt is somebody that I can go from a month to a year without really a month. A month is a long time. I have some people that are purple to brown, and, and um, now black belt, you know, is like my business partner Alex is a black belt. Two years ago, he sold his company for $300 million. You're a black belt if you do that, okay? He was running nine-figure business. We have nine-figure businesses now. So, but it doesn't mean we're better than people. It's just a business system. It's not necessarily who's more important in life. At the end of the day, Elon Musk is just a dude. I've met Elon, he's just a dude. He's kind of an interesting character. He likes movies. <laughs> I've met him at the movie three times. I went to a movie premiere with him. He loves movies. So he's a regular dude. He likes Hollywood. He likes a little celebrity stuff. He goes to celebrity stuff. He's a dude. He's a man. He's a little bit enamored by movie stars. You know? Look at Jeff Bezos. You see that video where his girlfriend met, um, not Justin Timberlake, but, but, but uh, DiCaprio. And he was all like, ah. It was pretty interesting. You know? How long does it take to become a uh, black belt in my system? You know, really you need about 20,000 hours to be good at something. And you probably need 40,000 hours to become a coral or a red belt. So, yeah. 10,000 hours is like purple to brown belt. So, you gotta, that's a, that's a hard, you know what sucks about the school system? They should stick you in stuff when you're young. Like, yo, you wanna be a business person? Like, third grade, let's start. Right now. Time's of the essence. I mean, it's so stupid. That's the main, the main problem with the school system is not just, it's not just what they teach. That is problematic in and of itself and that a lot of it's archaic. But more importantly, more importantly, it's totally different. It's that it's just like empty calories. It's just filling up the time. I mean, you should come out at 18 years old already with three, four, five years in whatever you want to do. It's a total myth that it takes a long time to figure out what you should do. Uh, in fact, my second mentor, Alan Nation said, what did you, whatever you wanna do around age 14 is probably what you should do. You know your IQ peaks at age 14? Stanford Binet, Alfred Binet, the man who invented the modern IQ system. He said the same thing. They retested it. His theory like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, found the same thing. So for, when you were 14, you were smart and it was just wasted on stupid stuff. At age 14, they should be like, you've had a few years to try stuff. What do you want to do? I liked business when I was six. I was at a lemonade stand. I sold tomatoes. I remember I was like a little kid trying to think of, I, I didn't have any good ideas because nobody was helping me, but I would like sit there with a notepad and be like, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, it's funny. I wish I could remember all my ideas. But by 14, I knew how to speak. I knew public, and nobody, not one adult. Not one supposed, you know, educator to people. And I got nothing against the educators who are trying their best in a failed system. Why didn't someone go, well, you can change later, but let's launch your first business at 14. You know why kids get bored in school? Because you don't have them doing anything. Public school should be like four hours of physical stuff and four hours of mental. That's it. Two hours should be watching history movies. Best way you can learn history and autobiography movies are a real way to learn. Don't ever let somebody think that, you, for example, go watch the movie, There Will Be Blood. You'll learn about the Rockefellers. You'll learn a lot about business, man. 
if you, let's say schools are six hours on average, okay? Should be three hours of doing shit with your body. Every girl, every guy should know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, wrestling, whatever. By the time they're 18, you should have five, 10 years. You don't have to spar against each other. That would be problematic to have a whole bunch, but you could just practice on your own. Like PE class would get 300 kids. You're like, yo, everybody here can go do 50 burpees by the, in the next five years. For sure. People under, I mean, you should be moving your body. One thing is just make people walk 10,000 steps. Half the things, all the stuff people are on, the drugs, Ritalin, all this stuff. You give kids sugar and then you sit them down and you're like, oh, they're hyper. No shit, Sherlock, you're supposed to be hyper. Hyperactivity, by the way, is highly correlated with wealth creation. It's called hypomania. I mean, don't dump, if you have a hyper kid, you probably have a gift. Now, of course it could go too far and there's kids who have legitimate, you know, hyper, hyper, hyper activity, but they're medicating a whole generation. <laughs> it's like, whoa, do you have the brain, do you have the common sense of an ant? Like six year olds are supposed to run around. Sweden has switched the school system and they, they, they let kids play in the woods all day. Nature, you should be doing three hours of nature. They should have dogs, cats, horses. People should take care of chickens in schools. I know it sounds weird. All the good ideas ever sounded weird. Should build big barns in every school. People, animals are better than people most of the time. I got a big barn, it's very, they should have kids. I mean, at least let them take care of little chickens that are this big, you know? And then you should have like, the other three hours, should be like watching a movie, history movie. I watched this movie about Napoleon. You wanna learn about Napoleon? Easy. There's a famous movie in 1972. It's like the last action movie where they actually used real animals. It's pretty insane. You should watch history. There will be blood as a good, you watch Karate Kid. All these things teach you things. And then you should have like one hour where you have books. Or one or two, but good books that kids are gonna be fascinated by. Any book, anything that fascinates you. There's some good books. Let kids, I asked Elon Musk, I have a video with him. I said, Elon, what's your favorite book? And he said, Lord of the Rings. I said, why? And he says, because it shows you anything's possible. Let kids sit there and read Lord of the Rings. It helped Elon Musk. Let him read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Kept him from being depressed. Anyway, somebody said, Ty, let's watch a movie. <laughs> My grandpa's always said the animals were the best actor. Yeah. Can you repeat the movie? There's a lot of good movies. A good movie I've watched recently is There Will Be Blood. Won an Academy Award, has arguably the best actor alive, Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he's the only person to have won three Academy Awards for best actor. Um, you should learn how to invest in real estate. You should learn self-defense. People should learn how to cook, but not just cook like stupid stuff. You should learn how to build like an exact, all your macros. People don't know how to calculate their macros. Protein, you know, fat, carbs. That's why part of the, re as the saying goes, where the people lack vision, they will perish. And the world lacks vision, lacks leadership, it lacks education. Yeah, V for Vendetta is a great movie. So many great movies. Watch the movie Gandhi talk about, you know, social reform. Watch books, there's a great movie about Malcolm X. Malcolm X was a powerful person, man. Controversial, yet powerful. Um, watch uh, one of the great movies of all time. It's a little depressing. 
19 is the book about World War I, um, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's an old school movie, but teach you about some crazy, I mean, you watch that movie, you'd be blown away. Rocky's a good movie. So, anyway, fortune comes to those who were educated correctly, and if you weren't educated correctly, you better self-educate real quick, because you may be a decade or two behind. Anyway, Dances with Wolves, a great one. I hope this was helpful. Was this helpful? Like this video or whatever you do. Follow me. What is all the stuff you're supposed to say? Follow me. Like, subscribe to my channel. Tire you a country boy. I'm half country, half city. I think that's the best balance. Anyway, I'm going to end. I'm going to end. Thanks. Thank you all.